Lord, I know there's many other people in here who have family members and just things going on, God, that we need you to move and intervene in. But God, we just pray. Pray that you would you would do a great spiritual work in our lives. And Lord, there's been many of us in here who's that we've had amazing experiences with you where we've had just joy overflowing. We, we felt your presence and your power and the grace and mercy. And Lord, you know that for us as people, there, there are so many different things that come and go. And it's not because you're not present. It's not because you're not powerful in any given moment or situation. But God, we don't always look for you. We don't always acknowledge you. And so Lord... I pray this morning that we would be completely aware of who you are and the power and authority that you have in our lives, in our health, in this world, and, and Lord, in, in our spiritual growth, that you have power and authority. And God, we pray that you would move in a mighty way. God, I pray that the greatest desire that we would have today is to know you more. And God, if we know you more, everything else will be put in its proper place. Everything else will line up the way that it's supposed to, according to your will and your ways. Because God, when we love you and when we're serving you, Lord, we want to be aligned with your will and your purpose. And so God, everything will be as it should be. Help us to put you first. Help us to focus on you. Lord, as we read your word, Lord, as we talk for just a few more moments this morning, God, I pray that you would reveal new things to us. Convict us where we need it. Lord, help us to be joyful when we need it. Help us to acknowledge you when we need it. Lord, help us to, help us to just know that you are God. Jesus, we love you today. We thank you for the opportunity we have to be in your presence. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. Well, I want to start off by giving a praise this morning. Can I do that? Good, because I let y'all do it sometimes. All right? Um, no, I, I, I do. There's very few times where I actually get to do this because, you know, you get up on Sunday mornings, you're expecting me to talk anyway. Um, but one of the things that we have been praying about as a church and we've been praying about is for our leadership team is that, you know, we have, we have been extremely blessed lately. Um, in a time where so many churches have struggled uh, in so many different ways, we have, we have been very blessed. We've had a lot of new people come, a lot of new people join the church. Uh, people get baptized during this time. One of the things that's kind of been a little frustrating is that we have not really received confirmation about a lot of people being saved over the past few years. And that's something that we've been praying about. Um, and I think it was last board meeting last month in October that we, we said, hey, you know, you just got to remember God's working and moving, right? We got to believe that. We may not always know, but God's working and moving. And we were talking about how there's probably people who are being saved, that God is working and moving in their lives, and we just don't know it, all right? Because the truth is, we're living in a day and time 
where people are becoming more and more disconnected from church, more and more disconnected from spirituality, from truths, from knowledge about God. And a lot of people just don't know how to verbalize that they got saved. You know, I, I tell people all the time, when I got saved, I didn't tell people about it immediately. It was a pretty good while before I was able to like really verbalize what had happened in my life. And so this past week, um, we have, uh, I've gotten found out about three people who's been saved um, here at church in recent times. And it wasn't one of those things like it wasn't happening. It's been happening. They just, you just don't know about it. So that's a huge praise, something we've been praying about for God to reveal. And in due time, God reveals. So thank you, Lord, for that. If you're not excited, then you got problems, okay? Um, it should be one of the most exciting things that we endure as Christians that we experience is the realization of how important it is for people to be saved, right? That's, that's huge. And so as followers of Christ, you know, we, we've been talking about this whole thing of come and see, okay? This, this idea of Jesus inviting the disciples to come and see, the disciples inviting other disciples to come and see. Today we're going to read about another passage of Scripture where someone invites other people to come and see. That's a big part of what it means to be a follower of God. If you're sitting here this morning and you claim to believe in Jesus Christ, you are called to tell other people about Jesus. You have to understand that. It is not excused just because you're shy or you're an introvert or anything like that. It does not excuse you from the calling that God's placed on your life to tell other people about him and to testify about what God's doing in your life. And today's passage, today's sermon focuses on us testifying. So last week, we tell other people. Today, we're talking about testifying. That's huge. You need to be able to tell other people about what God not did in your life, but what God is doing in your life, and that's extremely important. But we've said every week, you know, seeing something with your own eyes is very powerful. It changes things, right? And I, I don't know about you guys, but I know whenever we first started having kids, people would tell us, man, it, it just changes everything. One of the funniest things was my brother-in-law said, you have kids, you'll never sleep good again. And it's like, I'm like, yeah, right. You know, I sleep like a rock. You know, it's like nothing wakes me up in the morning. And literally in the past three years, I have not slept a full night since the kids have been born. Any little sound that's made at all, I'm up. And Hannah, she sleeps like a rock. It's kind of frustrating. But as soon as I hear a noise, I'm up and I go walking around the house to make sure everything's okay. But I remember, you know, and our situation was pretty unique with Perry because we got to go every single week with Perry to do an ultrasound. Most people don't get that because of our previous history. We got to experience that. So we really got to see it every single week. But there's still a disconnect. Does that make sense? It's like, you know the baby's in there. You know, you rub, you know, I hope you don't go up and rub on random women's bellies. It's super weird. Some people did that to Hannah, and she's like, don't touch me. You know, so, but, you know, we, we'd sit at home, we'd rub her belly and, you know, talk to the baby, and then you see all these pictures of it. And you kind of connect the dots a little bit, but you really don't understand until the baby is actually born, and you get to hold it, and it's just different. And you can't explain it. It's just something that you have to experience for yourself. And we've been talking, our, we're expecting again, if you didn't know, um, but we've been talking this new baby up to Perry and Naomi, and Naomi is like super excited to talk about babies. She loves babies. And we had to take her to our appointment this past Friday. 
But even for Naomi, who's super excited about the baby, looks at mama's belly and talks to the baby and like, you know, all this stuff. And they're doing the ultrasound and she sees this outline of the baby on the screen. You can just tell it's like it doesn't connect the dots. Like there's just something about it. She just can't comprehend what is actually inside Hannah's belly, what's going to happen, and then how much everything's going to change when that thing gets there. Like she's a little excited about it now. She may not be so excited whenever it gets here, but seeing and experiencing something for yourself is very powerful, is it not? changes things. It changes the way we think about things. It changes the way we experience things. It changes the way we feel about stuff. And in John chapter 4, verses 25 through 30, this is one of my favorite passages in Scripture. You've probably heard me preach from it a couple of times already. I'm not going to read the whole story. We're only going to read like a little snippet of it. And uh, this is just kind of letting you know what's going on in this passage. If you've never read it before, go back and read it. Beautiful story. Great passage of scripture. There's a lot of like great truths in this. But Jesus is speaking to this Samaritan woman at the well. And it's beautiful. And you can see some of the humor in this as, as we read it about some of the really interesting stuff going on. So let's read this together. Verses 25 through 30 of John chapter 4. The woman said, and her and Jesus have already been talking for a while by now. But the woman said, I know the Messiah is coming the one who is called Christ. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. All right? So the first thing you need to notice is, is that the woman already has faith. She already believes. She's expecting for this to come. Okay? So the faith is there. Now, verse 26. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. That doesn't sound that significant. But if you actually study Scripture and you look... This is the only time in the Bible where Jesus actually says, I am the Messiah. He does not make this proclamation to anyone else. People, religious leaders, uh, the, John's disciples come and ask Jesus, and they, John the Baptist's disciples, they say, are you the Messiah? And he says, go back and tell John that the blind see, the lame walk, the dumb talk. And he like, gives references to his miracles for them to decide whether or not they believe he is the Messiah. And this is the only time in the Bible where Jesus says, I am the Messiah. And he proclaims it to this woman, super interesting. That's worth noting in this passage. There's, there's a relationship that is taking place right here between Jesus and this woman that is fulfilling her faith in him. Now, I want you to think about that because she believes. She believes that a Messiah is coming. She just says that. I believe that the Messiah is coming. And when he comes, he's going to do all this. He's going to explain everything. And Jesus said, she gets it. Because the religious leaders were coming and saying, are you the Messiah? But they were wanting what they wanted the Messiah to be. When she said, he's going to explain everything to us, Jesus says, that's exactly why I come. And he reveals himself to her in this moment, which is really cool. Verse 27. Just then his disciples come back and they were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask. Think about how interesting that is. It's like, how rare must it have been for Jesus to be interacting with a woman by himself, for them to be shocked, and then like be really curious but not have the nerve to ask, like, well, what do you want with her or why are you talking to her? I don't know if you've ever walked in on a situation before and you knew it was super weird and super awkward. But yet you didn't have the nerve to ask, like, hey, what's going on? Like, why are you doing this? What's good? And you just kind of like 
You know it's weird. They know it's weird. It's just an awkward moment. But that's what's going on. In verse 28, it says, The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village, telling everyone, Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Beautiful passage of Scripture. Let's walk through this together. Point number one, it's got to be about Jesus. When you think about your calling to tell other people about Christ, when you think about the purpose that God has instilled on you, whenever he saves you and he claims you as his own, he adopts you into his family, the calling that you have to tell other people about Jesus, you need to understand that when you tell them about Jesus, when you tell them about following God, it should simply be about Jesus. That's so important. And the thing I love, you know, God has a wonderful way of just working things out. This sermon series lines up so good with the passage of Scripture that we're studying on Wednesday nights with 1 Corinthians because Paul is, keeps telling the Corinthians, I forget everything else. I forget everything else to simply promote Jesus Christ crucified. That's the only thing that matters. Don't worry about all the other stuff. Don't worry about who you follow. Don't worry about what's going on, what you're arguing about, the divisions among you. Jesus Christ was crucified, and Jesus is enough. You with me this morning? As a believer in Jesus Christ, you really need to think about when you say that you believe in Jesus, what does that actually mean? Do I really believe that Jesus is the answer? Do I really believe that Jesus is powerful enough to work and move in spite of situations and circumstances? Do I really believe that through Christ all things are possible? And if you believe those things, because Scripture tells us that that is true and that's what we should believe, if you believe those things, then Jesus is enough. You don't have to get fancy with it. You don't have to go through this, this whole thing and have this speech prepared or these fancy tactics or clever tactics to reach people. Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians. It's not clever words, clever speech, clever tactics. It's simply Jesus Christ crucified. So when you're sitting here this morning and you have a spouse or you have children or you have a friend or you have coworkers, you have people in your life that you want them to know about Christ... It's very important that we as believers do not focus on sin or bad habits or things that annoy us about the people that we are interacting with. I want you to think about that for a second. It's very important we don't focus on those things. You with me? Because you know, as a believer in Christ, that if you start hanging around other Christians you become a lot more sensitive to the sins of the world. If you're living out in the world, you don't think too much about it. The more you follow Christ, the more you engage and involve yourself with other believers and pull out of the world, the more you realize the sins of the world whenever you're introduced to it again. And it could be something as simple as cuss words. It could be um, you know, drunkenness, inebriation, you know, drugs, it could be sexual immorality, it could be anything, like stuff that you didn't used to think was that big of a deal. And now when you're exposed to it, it's like, ugh, this is like, I can't hardly be around this. This is hard. But we got to be careful as believers not to focus on the sin. 
or the habits or the addictions because that's not the problem. You believe that? Like the, the, the stuff that we do is not the problem. The problem is the people. Like when you look at the people that you love, the people that you want to know about Christ, you have to look at them and understand they are broken people. You have to remember that before you were saved, you were broken as a person. You needed Jesus Christ to come in and save you, to change you, to fix you because we are the problem. We are born into sin. We are the problem. And Jesus has to come in and change us, change who we are. And I'll just give you a personal example. All right? The title of the sermon is Testify. So I'm going to give you some personal stories today. So as a kid, and I don't want to hang him out to dry, but it's, it's, it's easy. As a kid, I remember praying that my dad would stop doing drugs. You know, you go to school and you go to D.A.R.E. and everybody in the world says drugs are bad. Don't do drugs. And you go through all these things. These police officers come to school and they tell you about how bad drugs are. And you hear everyone else say, don't do drugs. And then as a kid, you know, it's like when your dad's doing that stuff, you're like, you have to weigh out. Well, like, is it as bad as everybody says it is? Or, you know, like, so I'm, I'm praying. I'm like, man, like, Lord, please help him stop. Help him stop. Help him stop. Prayed for years that God would help him stop doing drugs. Didn't happen. But something crazy happened, you know, as a teenager when I got saved, because when I was little, I didn't know I was supposed to be praying for him to get saved. But when I got saved and I realized, hey, he needs to be saved, I started praying that he would be saved. And it wasn't long that he got saved. And guess what happened? He stops doing drugs. And, and, and I, want, I want to share this with you this morning. And hopefully you understand what I'm saying. and You don't take offense to this. When Christ comes into our hearts and he works in our life, there are a lot of things that Jesus does for us that, that the Holy Spirit will do naturally. Okay? And, and so I think rehabilitation centers are good and great. I, I think anything that you can do to help yourself and, and to overcome things in your life are great. And some people are strong enough to overcome things. Can we just acknowledge that? Like some people are disciplined enough to not allow themselves to fall into addictions and things like that. Some people are strong enough to do that. A lot of people aren't. And so this is just my personal experience. And I'm telling you this from a narrow-minded point of view in my world with the people that I know. I know a lot of people who's been to rehab. And some people it's helped. But what typically that I've noticed happens is that when people come out of rehab, what they have to do is be very careful to avoid certain people, avoid certain places, making sure they're setting up these proper boundaries so that they're not tempted to fall back into their addictions and have a relapse because there's still something in them that wants that. And for a lot of people, that happens. Like They will always want that. The only people that I know of personally who went from being addicted to not even desiring it at all and has no desire to ever go back and do it again are people who's been saved. And that's my personal experience. That's the only thing I can tell you. It's like when you look at people who said, I don't even want that anymore. I used to do this. I used to desire that. I used to want to be that and be around those people. And now I don't even want it anymore. I have no desire for it. Those are people who's been saved. 
we have to remember in our lives that we cannot want people to come to Jesus for our own agenda. And you have to be really careful because as people, whether you realize it or not, you have an agenda. I have an agenda, okay? We're called as Christians not to, to, to give up on our agenda, but in reality, we all have an agenda. Like You may love your spouse or the person you're with very much. You may like, love them so much. You might climb the highest mountain, sail across the deepest sea, do what, cross the biggest river to get to them, and you might love them. But when you proposed to them or you said, I do, you did it because in your mind you're thinking, well, I really like them. I am attracted to them. This is what I plan on. Like you expect to receive something from them, right? I mean, like you can say you love somebody unconditionally, but if they just gave up one day and said, I ain't cooking, I ain't cleaning, I ain't doing this, I ain't going to work no more, I'm, not going to, I'm just going to sit at home and watch TV, you'd probably get pretty tired of them pretty quick, wouldn't you? Because there's something we expect to receive. And for a lot of us, even when we come to Christ in the beginning, for me personally, when I came to Christ in the beginning, I came to Christ because I didn't want to go to hell. It wasn't because I loved Jesus. It wasn't because I wanted to see the message of the gospel preached to the world. It wasn't anything like that. It was because I didn't want to go to hell and I wanted eternal life. So I went to Jesus because I had an agenda. Does that make sense? We have to be very careful not to share the message of the gospel to meet our agenda. We shouldn't do it because we want somebody to be changed. We shouldn't do it because we want somebody to give up this habit or this addiction or to do this, to be a better husband, to be a better child, to be a better grandkid or whatever. We have to simply promote Jesus. It has to be about Him. And, and, and if it's Jesus, now here's the thing. If you believe in Jesus Christ, if you believe that He is powerful, that all things are possible to Him, you preach Jesus and Jesus does the work. Jesus will take care of everything. If someone truly accepts Jesus Christ, they're going to want to be obedient to him. They're going to want to serve him. They're going to want to give up anything in their life that would be hindering, anything in their life that would keep them from loving the people around them like they should. We have to believe that Jesus is enough. And we have to make sure that when we tell others and testify that Jesus is enough. And you look at this woman, this woman simply testified. She didn't do anything else. There was nothing fancy about it. She's testified. So point number two, testify what Jesus is doing for you. Not what Jesus did. We talked about this last week. If you're testifying about what Jesus did back then, your testimony is weak at best, if you even have one. We need to be able to tell people about what Jesus is doing in our life now. And so when you look at what testify actually means, the first definition is to give evidence as a witness in law, in a law of court, to serve as evidence or proof of something's existing or being in the case. And point number three and four, this is where it really kind of gets a lot more closer to home to us. Point number three is to make a statement based on personal knowledge or belief. When you testify, you make a statement based on personal knowledge or belief. And number four is to express a personal conviction. So when you start talking about what it means to testify, you need to be able to share 
what you have experienced, what you believe, what is going on in your life right now. And you need to be able to share with others about what Jesus is doing for you right now. Because think about this. If you share about what Jesus did to someone, how many people are concerned about what used to be? How many people are concerned about history, especially young people? You know, the older we get, the more nostalgic we get. We, we, the older we get, the more we tend to look back. Most people don't look back, and, and it, it, that quality becomes less and less. Most people are concerned with what's going on now or what's going to be. And when you tell somebody about Jesus doing something way back when, it communicates to them, okay, well, that's great, but now is now, and I need something now. But if you testify to somewhat somebody about what Jesus is doing in your life right now, it gives them the hope and understanding, well, if Jesus is doing that in your life right now, Jesus could do that in my life right now. We're not talking about something that Jesus did 100 years ago or 10 years ago or six months ago. We're talking about what Jesus is doing now. That's important. And some of you are sitting here this morning and you're saying, well, you know, honestly, James, like there's just not anything good going on in my life right now. And that's such a, it's a mistake that we make as a church, as a body of believers. It's a mistake that we make to think that the only time God is working and moving is when good things are happening. And for our church, so you think about it on Sunday mornings when people stand up and testify. You ever heard anybody stand up and testify about anything negative going on in their life? No. Typically, when people stand up and testify, they talk about positive things. The Lord spoke to me. The Lord answered prayers. The Lord did this. The Lord did this. I'm so excited. The Lord saved somebody. That's what I shared this morning, right? We talk about good things. And you might be sitting here this morning saying, there hasn't been anything good going on. And as people, we really have to change our perspective on how we look at spiritual things and how we look at our God. And go back again, like, what do you truly believe about God? Is God always present in our lives? Is he? Yes. Okay, so in good times, God is present, and in bad times, God is present. Is God always trying to teach us and help us grow in our faith? Yes. So even in bad times, God is still trying to teach us and speak to us in those times. And so you could be sitting here this morning saying, well, you know, it's like, I don't have anything to testify about, man. I'm just, my health is garbage, man. I just, it's just been a battle. And it's been frustrated. And so if you change your perspective and you look, it's like, maybe God is teaching you humility. Maybe God is speaking to you through this moment, through this time in your life. Because, I mean, think about whenever your health is bad, then people have to come in and help take care of you. And they have to do things that you never thought people would have to do for you. And a lot of times people are embarrassed and they don't, they don't like for that to happen. They don't like to talk about it because they just, they just want to be healthy again. It's the only thing we're focused on. And instead of like focusing on what God's trying to teach us in the moment, we're focused about being better in the future, which is okay because I would want to be better, Right? 
But at the same time, how many of you can testify that in some of the hardest, most difficult times of your life, God has spoken and showed you more during that time than in the good times? I can testify to that. And so if we change our perspective and we're looking for opportunities for God to speak to us and teach us, we might have more to testify about than what we realize. And see, if you say, well, man, God hasn't been answering my prayers, so maybe he's teaching you patience, which is the worst time in the world. Nothing lasts longer than the time period where you're waiting on God to work and move in a situation and nothing's happening. And you're just like, days and weeks just drag out and seem like years. Got to attack me just a second. Sorry about that. Maybe your spouse is getting on your nerves. And maybe God's teaching you how to truly love people unconditionally. Maybe your kids are being terrible. Maybe God's teaching you to have mercy. <clears throat> we joke about this all the time, Hannah and I, dealing with the kids. You know, it's like we, we try to show them stuff. And it's like, if they would just do this, if they would just do what we're telling them to do, life would be so much easier. But they won't. No, I'm going to do it my way. And as adults, we do that with God. And it's like, and we say, man, like, this is really how God probably feels with us 90% of the time. That we're like, he, he shows us how to do things. He gives us his word. He, he teaches us. He, he convicts us. He speaks into our lives. And yet we ignore it and we do it the way that we want to do it. And God's like, man, life would be so much easier if you just do it the way I'm calling you to do it, the way I'm trying to show you and teach you how to do it. But we always want to do it our way. And there's so much that God can teach us in that. And we have to be super careful because if we participate and we give into this, now think about this. If it's always about testifying and praising the Lord when things are going good in our life, what does that teach young people or spiritually immature people or people who are just not really solid in their faith? What does that teach them? How does that teach them to view their life? Well, well nothing good's going on in my life. I don't have anything to, to be happy about, so I must be doing something wrong. Or, or maybe, you know, like I didn't really get saved or, you know, I'm not seeing God working and moving in these powerful ways. And, and we mislead people to think that, that, that if God's working and moving, then it has to be good or it has to be this way and it can't be this way. But the truth is God is always present. God is always working and moving. God is always speaking. God is always trying to draw people to him. He's always trying to help us grow in our relationship with Him. And for us to realize that changes everything. And for us to be able to testify about what God is doing changes everything in our relationship with Him. If you can't testify about what God is doing right now, we don't have a testimony. People need to hear about what God is doing right now, and it doesn't always need to be good things. It's okay if you testify, man, life is really hard right now. This is going on in my life, but God is good. God is showing me some things through this. God is teaching me. And when we get to that point where despite the situation and circumstances, if we can testify about what God is doing in our life, stuff like that speaks to people more than the good times do. People don't want to see us elevating ourselves or making ourselves look better than what we are. People don't want to just hear us talk about God when things are going good. People want to see how good God is when things really stink because that's when we need Him the most. And that's when other people need Him the most. And that's when other people go searching for Him the most. Isn't it? 
How often do we neglect God in the good times that whenever things start getting tough, that's when we go seeking Him out and searching for Him. People need to see that. And if you tell people about Jesus, that's all you need to do. You know, you look at this woman's testimony. The only thing Jesus did is tell her about all the things that she had done. And she said, come see the man who told me everything I ever did. And that's all she said. And that's how simple it was. She testified about what Jesus had just done. Even though like he talked about things in her past, it was the fact that he had just told her and it was fresh. And she said, come see this man who told me everything I did. And she had something amazing to testify about. And point number three... People pay attention when we testify. You really need to understand this. You really need to, to take a step back and, and take a deep breath this morning and realize that people pay attention when you testify and you speak about God. You think about on Sunday morning when we get here and we do church and everything and Timmy gets up and speaks, we joke about this all the time, nobody pays attention during announcements. It's like sometimes we don't even know why we do them, nobody listens. Everybody's talking, saying, hey, checking out, doing whatever. Nobody pays attention to announcing. We announce stuff for months and nobody has any clue what's going on. Totally fine. We still do it. So you don't have an excuse, but we still do it. When I get up and speak on Sunday morning, a lot of people check out. You expect me to get up and speak. It's what I'm supposed to do. Nothing fancy or outrageous or out of the norm. You let one other person in the congregation stand up and start speaking on Sunday morning, and everybody's like, oh, that's, that's weird. That's different. It was funny. You know, I talked to somebody this week, and they were talking about how it was just different that people stand up and testify here at Graham. They weren't used to that. And that's a good thing. All right? People pay attention when we testify. And it's not just in church. It's anywhere. People are naturally curious about God. People are naturally curious about religious things. You need to believe in your heart that God has instilled in every person the desire and the natural desire to come back to their creator. You've got to believe that. That if you tell them about Jesus Christ, they might cuss you out. They might run you off. They might threaten to punch you in the face. I've had that happen before. Mission trip in Puerto Rico, we're ministering to people. We're just walking down the beach telling people about Jesus. Dude threatens to punch us in the face if we don't go away and leave him alone. It happens, for real. And so, like, there might be people who do that, but you need to understand that through time and, through, and people have a lot of experiences with church, a lot of experiences with things like that. And some people might be really turned off to it. But enough people comes along and you plant enough seeds, it breaks down those barriers. One day, somebody might come along several years down the road and share the message of the gospel with that guy. He might get saved. It's not my responsibility to determine how someone's going to react. It's my responsibility to do what God has called me to do. It's your responsibility to do what God has called you to do. And when you testify, people pay attention. It's naturally a curious thing. It's really funny because like, I sit around and I just like eavesdrop on people talking and having like, spiritual conversations, talk about stuff. Sometimes they like pretty knowledgeable. Sometimes they have no idea what they're talking about. And it's kind of sad sometimes to listen. But people are curious about it. You've got to believe that. People pay attention when we testify. And when you look at this woman 
Take, for instance, this woman. Some of you are so scared to talk about Christ. I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. I'm still struggling with this. I'm still doing this. I just, I don't feel like I'm the right one who should be sharing the message of the gospel. This woman was an outcast in her community. And we didn't read the whole passage. We're not going to get into it. But just know the woman was going to get water in the middle of the day. was not the time that all the other women went to get water at the well. She was not accepted by her community, and in some ways she ostracized herself by not going with the other women, but waiting till later so she she could go get water by herself. She's not accepted. People didn't respect her. She had been married five times, and the man she was living with now was not her husband. She was not living a good stand-up life according to their cultural standards. Does that make sense? She wasn't some woman that everybody's like, oh yeah, if she said it, it must be true. She was not that person. But this woman goes and tells people, says, come meet the man, come see the man who just told me everything I ever did. And it says that people from the town came, poured out to meet Jesus. How cool is that? That for you as a believer... It does not matter if you have all your ducks in a row. It does not matter if you have like your whole life in order and you're living exactly the way you know that Christ wants you to live. I encourage you to do it. I encourage you to grow. I encourage you to go away from sin, to come out of the world. I encourage you to do all those things. You will be better off for those things. But you don't have to be perfect in order to share the message of the gospel. This woman testified about what Jesus had just done for her, and the whole town poured out to see the man that she was talking about, and she was not the most reputable person in the town. She was probably the least reputable person in the town. And the town came out to see who she was talking about. And in John chapter 4, verse 39 through 42, a few verses down in the passage, it says, Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, He told me everything I ever did. Here's a woman who's rejected by her community, and she simply testifies what Jesus did for her, and many of the people in the town believed. We have overcomplicated the message of the gospel to the point where so many people are just afraid to even talk about Jesus. We overplay it. We think about it so much in our minds. Well, what will happen if they say no? What will happen if they get mad? What will happen if somebody is like eavesdropping on us and they hear me talking to them? It's like we, we overthink it so much that we cripple ourselves from fear to just be able to share Jesus. To say that Jesus Christ is crucified. Jesus Christ did this in my life. To even be able to testify simply about what God has just done in your life, we make ourselves so crippled to the fact that we can't do it. And this woman did, and they believed. Look at verse 40. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village, so he stayed for two days. Long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. In verse 42, it is probably the most beautiful verse in the whole chapter. It says, they said to the woman, now we believe not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. You look at the woman's testimony and it's so important because in order to come to Jesus Christ, you have to do it through faith. 
whenever, some, whenever you hear about Jesus, Jesus doesn't just show up and says, oh, you're wondering whether or not I'm real? Here I am. I'm actually real. Believe in me. That doesn't happen. We have to come to Jesus through faith. This woman shares her testimony. People come out and say, hey, we're interested to see whether or not he's the Messiah because we're expecting the Messiah. We want the Messiah to come. They were ready for the Messiah to come. And whenever they heard that he might be the Messiah, they were willing to go out and see whether or not he was the Messiah for themselves because they had faith to know that they should be looking for it. And when you share with other people about what Jesus Christ is doing in your life, you have to have enough faith to know that God... It's working and moving in their life. That God could have already been doing a work in them to prepare them for the time that you're going to come and speak to them and tell them about Jesus. And they might get saved at that very moment. Or you might just be planting the first seed. And God can come and do a greater work later on in their life. you got to have faith in that. you got to believe in that. It takes faith for you to share your testimony, for you to testify what God's doing in your life. That it's not going to be empty or void or, or useless, but that it will have an impact on them. You've got to have faith in that. And you look at these people, they, they come because they believe. And they said, we believe because of your testimony. Many people believe because of her testimony. That's powerful. She didn't testify anything fancy or great. She simply told about what Jesus had did. But they said, now we know. Now we know because we have seen and heard with our own eyes and our own ears. Guys, you know this. Many of you came to be believers in Jesus Christ through faith. You stepped out on faith, you started following Him, and you didn't know for 100% sure if this was real or if this thing was going to pan out or if this was going to be legitimate. But through the course of your life and through the course of you following Jesus Christ, you have seen Him answer prayer, you have seen him do miracles. You have seen him do amazing things. And you know, now you know that he is real. Right? You, you, you can testify as to what God has done throughout the course of your following him to reveal himself to you and solidify that he is actually real. And as people hear your testimony, they will follow through faith. And in time, as they come and see for themselves, and as they hear for themselves what God's working and doing, their faith will be solidified in that. And we are called to be a part of that. We're called to help initiate that. We're called to testify, not only when things are good, because you know life is not always good. Life is not always easy. Prayers don't always get answered, do they? Situations, relationships can be really hard. And when we can testify about what God is doing, even in the midst of those things, that gives validity to the God that people need. Because they need to know that there's a God who's not only going to be there and who is affirming them with good things, but there's a God who is present even when the world drop kicks you in the face. And you're having a hard time getting up that Jesus is still there during that time and he will help you get back to your feet and reestablish you in those moments. People need to know that. And we are the ones who are supposed to be testifying about it. Let's pray. Father, we just want to say thank you again. Thank you for the opportunity 
to receive your son, Jesus Christ, as our Lord and Savior. Thank you for sending him to be crucified for our sins. And Lord, thank you for the opportunity to be your children despite the situation and circumstances of this life. Lord, we are yours. We belong to you. God, you are always there. You're always present. You're always working. You're always moving. And God, if we don't have a testimony about what you're doing in our life right now, it's simply because we're not looking for it. And I pray, God, that we, as your followers, would look for you, that we would be searching for you and acknowledge you in every situation and circumstance of our life, especially in the difficult times. Help us to always be ready to testify about everything that you're doing. We love you, we thank you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed. Thank you.